You can stand there with me if you want, but you'll have to agree not to talk about the heat. I'm a married woman. Meaning what? Meaning I'm not looking for company. And you should have said I'm a happily married woman. That's my business. What? How happy I am. And how happy is that? You're not too smart, are you? <laughs> I like that in a man. What else do you like? Lazy, ugly, horny? I got them all. You don't look lazy. <laughs> Tell me, does chat like this work with most women? Some, if they haven't been around much. I wondered. Thought maybe I was out of touch. I'm gonna buy you a drink. I told you, I've got a husband. I'll buy him one, too. He's out of town. My favorite kind. We'll drink to him. Only comes up on weekends. <laughs> I'm liking him better all the time. You better take me up on this quick. In about 45 minutes, I'm gonna get up and go away. You wanna buy me something? Yeah. I'll take one of those. What kind? Sherry. Sherry, make it too. You're not staying in Miranda Beach. I would have noticed you. Is town that small? Oh. <laughs> Pinehaven? You're staying down in Pinehaven. On the waterway. You have a house. How'd you know that? You look like Pinehaven. How does Pinehaven look? Well tended. I'm well tended, all right. Well tended. What about you? Me? I need tending. I need someone to take care of me, someone to rub my tired muscles, smooth out my sheets. Get married. I just need it for tonight. Mm. <laughs> oh. Oh, nice move, Maddie. Maddie? I like it. It's right over your heart. At least it's cool. I was burning up. I asked you not to talk about the heat. Would you get me a paper towel or something? Dip it in some cold water. Right away. I'll even wipe it off for you. You don't want to lick it? Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Welcome to a sultry edition of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 184, Body Heat. That's right. One trashy summer. OTS. Back in the mix. Happening. And this is a special edition. <laughs> it's only oh, the second it? time we've ever done it, but we're doing a special okay. edition of One Trashy Summer. All four picks for the month of July are coming from the 1980s and the they best. are hot. Yes, the best era. And none more sweaty than body heat. That's right. Top priority of the summer, as we <laughs> like to say. A lot of sweat. Yeah. 
lot of body odor probably going on. Two words that I love put together, erotic thriller. Yes. <laughs> and this is a doozy, 1981. Yeah. William Hurt, glorious mustache. Oh, yeah. How uncomfortable would that mustache be in a Florida heat wave? Just buckets of sweat from Coming all the Coming out of the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here we are. The greatest moments in the history of forever. By now, you know the deal. Follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod. Subscribe yeah. to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean. S- send us a tweet. You never know what'll happen. Send us a tweet, at GreatestPod. Tell your friends that one trashy summer is back. <laughs> They'll be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and you can say, don't worry about it. <laughs> Just some dude. Body Heat, written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan. His yeah. directorial debut at this point in 81. He's already known for writing writing Empire Strikes Back, getting in with George Lucas. I think he would write one of the Indiana Jones movies, maybe. That seems right. I will say, I mean, I was telling you before the show, I, I have this image of what this movie is. I feel like I've watched it in my lifetime, but if I have, it's been years certainly was familiar with it but watching it i had this expectation that i'm gonna enjoy it in more of a i don't know tongue-in-cheek way or something but i really was finding this movie to be pretty awesome yeah it's got a lot of passionate reviews both ways back in the day but now it's ultimately regarded as an erotic neo-noir classic it has a 98 percent on rotten tomatoes i know that that's not really the be-all and end-all and indicative of how it was probably in the time because it's not like they've collected all of the reviews from 81 but it was a pretty big hit and it was pretty noteworthy and it it kick-started the career of Kathleen Turner this was her first feature film and she became like a big sex icon I guess you would say yeah even with that deep voice yeah people liked it it was kind of a a huskier (laughs) voice something i always like associated with my women husky (laughs) (laughs) that was definitely like a type and 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 they were certainly emulating the noir films of the 1940s most notably double indemnity directed by billy wilder written by wilder and raymond chandler came out in 1944 this was not a straight up remake of that film but it's very similar in that movie the man is an insurance agent. Double indemnity refers to times where an insurance policy pays out double for like a crazy way of dying, like falling off of a train, which okay. is what happens in yeah. the movie, not to give out the whole thing. But it's very similar with like the double crossing and the secret plotting. And the story it is, is wild. Very, very yeah. much the same. It's funny watching this movie and it harkens back to last year's One Trashy Summer it just had me thinking i'm like man how many of these movies are just about a man being lured in by sex basically and then it's just when like when you say these movies what do you mean movies that i pick <laughs> <laughs> movies that we like <laughs> well it's uh, a thing i mean that's where they get the term femme fatale this right. is what it, it is yeah exactly but what i w- was loving about like thinking about it was just i love that in basic instinct he's like yeah i was lured in by sex i was duped but who cares? <laughs> like, yeah. He's just like, I'm going to keep going. I love that. Yeah, well, Sharon Stone, I mean, come on. Yeah, that's right. This one doesn't quite turn out that way, but it is like 
a similar thing where he's like clearly being played and he's he does keep going along for like quite a while we'll talk about the character of ned racine a lot since he's the main character of the movie i don't really know what to make of him pre this movie the type of guy he is just how intelligent yeah. he is what's exactly going on in his life what happened in the gorson case i would say his moral compass was questionable probably yeah not necessarily a bad guy but eh, willing to just commit murder (laughs) right (laughs) out of the blue well that was a crime of passion though body heat comes out in 81 george lucas helps get it made behind the scenes sort of provides a little extra money to the the lad company who's producing the movie in case Kazan goes over. Kazan is Lucas's buddy, but Lucas considers this to be a little bit too adult for Lucasfilm. So George Lucas's name is not on it. However, he is kind of like an uncredited producer in a way. As I said, it's the film debut of Kathleen Turner. Had a budget of $9 million, box office $24 million. But I think it also went on to have a huge run as far as rentals throughout the 80s and a cable run and everything. And I think a lot of people saw this movie throughout the 1980s. It's considered one of the hot movies of that time. (laughs) It is hot. (laughs) It takes place during a Florida heat wave. And Florida weather is a big character in the movie. Yet the movie was actually filmed during the wintertime in Florida. And it was unseasonably cold. Oh, wow. And so they do an unbelievable job of convincing you that it's hot because that is such a big part of this movie. I feel like as a viewer, you're sweating. Yes. Just watching. The opening shot basically is Ned looking out the window at that fire and his back is just soaking wet. Well, that's the thing. And I love these dudes. It's like lawyers and like businessmen. And they're like walking around in these fucking suits. Yeah, and they, they, you know, you take the blazer off, and it's just like your button-down shirt is just drenched in sweat. Yeah, I mean, just so much discomfort. Yeah, I don't really get it myself, but it is a way of life. It is. Yeah, body heat is sweaty, sultry. There's a lot of reds, the color red, a lot of fire. There's fire in the opening scene, which of course somewhat f- foreshadows the crime that will come later, and it really just puts you in a mood. Yeah. It's a very moody film that way. Where you Absolutely. Just, you feel you know, warmer watching it. I feel like it was a good movie for us to pick during the summertime, you got, irregardless of the trashy element. That's right. That jazz music just pumping through. Love yeah. it. It harkens to a, t- a different time and a different place when noir movies were just kind of the way of the world. And when they were making them, I think Robert Mitchum has like a quote or something. It's like, we didn't really think of them as noir movies. They were just we called them B pictures. It just was like churning them out and they were all kind of the same element to them. And I do think that in the time period post the forties and fifties, when later generations of filmmakers were doing their own versions and homages to it, some people did them more successfully than others. Sometimes there was like a little bit of an annoying factor of like self-awareness, which can be good in certain cases and distracting in others but sure i think kazan pulls it off well here because this feels like the best of those 40 noir films except there's just tons of tits and ass and nudity (laughs) (laughs) which is something that you couldn't put in the 40s movies well you could but might not have been appreciated (laughs) no i don't think you could i think you would go to jail (laughs) that was like uh, i would have been like worth it take me to jail 
Yeah, I think... I, I need to express my art. I think adding that element to it gives it that erotic zest <laughs> that really makes it stand out. I think after this movie, I'm sure it was imitated countless times to varying degrees of success, but this is sort of the the standout version of the the new noirs that incorporated like a more modern feel because of the gratuitous sex. <laughs> a lot of sex scenes in the film. I think there were even more that they filmed and I I was reading about an original screening that they did like a test screening that had like way more graphic sex in it. People walking out. And that was the only time that it was ever shown. And oh, wow. it, those scenes are not on the Blu-ray, although there that. are deleted scenes. That's why we need the Criterion version. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see those restored at That's some right. point. Yeah. <laughs> the movie stars William Hurt as Ned Racine. He's a local lawyer. He seems somewhat inept, yeah. but possibly due to laziness. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit of a ladies' man because, as we see right away, he's hooked up with some chick that's like the opening scene of the movie yeah as he makes his way throughout town every chick knows him hey dad it's not that i don't think of william hurt as i don't think of him as like an unattractive guy but just that he we're supposed to buy him as like the sex appeal yeah like the uh the man about town and then ted danson who comes into the movie later is like this nerdy guy that does this little ballet dancing all the time (laughs) i don't even really know how to describe it he's He's always always, like dancing dancing around I thought it was cool, though. I was like, Ted Danson's character is fucking cool. And it made me be like, I wish Ted Danson was in more movies. I think they reference this movie in like one of the very first episodes of Cheers. Oh, wow. Where they were talking about like what is the sweatiest movie or the hottest movie. I don't know. And somebody says Body Heat and Ted Danson just has like a smile or, or something. Okay. I don't know why. It's such a weird little part and it's like I they would imagine them doing that now that would never happen an actor was in a movie a couple yeah, years earlier and then they're just referencing it like it's some big deal I don't know <laughs> anyway Ned is sort of just hanging around town it's nighttime there's some sort of outdoor concert yeah and this is where things Which, kick off I think when we later on like as the plot starts to reveal itself I'm like how did this come to be what do you mean? Like this, quote, accidental meeting. Is it that she was going to meet him at some point? Yeah. I think... It didn't have to be this night? Not necessarily. I think it's for cinematic effect, the way they set up that thing where he's watching a stage where the band seems kind of tired and it's like a more of like a high school marching band yeah. kind of a band and they're, they, they're listlessly playing and it's kind of like, what the fuck's going on? And, and what kind of event was this? And everything is, like, orange and red, and, and it's all very, like, monotone of that general Florida vibe. Oh, yeah. And then this vision in white stands up and walks towards him up the aisle. And given his reputation, of course, he's, like, going to make a run. Sup? <laughs> yeah. So, cinematically, it's a kind of a perfect little meeting when you go back and you think about what all was happening here. But, yes, I think the idea is... She finds out. I mean, I don't know. Do we want to like completely just talk about the I, I ending mean, we already? We can get to it. I, we can make our way there naturally. I think there are a fair amount of questions we may accumulate along the okay, way. Okay, let's so do I, that. I mean, let's I think we can kind of just address that all later. Stay the course. It's not like I'm acting like it's all some big reveal, but if we start going down that road now, it's, yeah, it's really. gonna be a maze of we'll save it words. 
<laughs> until we get to the ending. So this woman, this person in white, is a, a beautiful lady named Maddie Walker, we find out. Yeah. And they have this fun 40s noir type banter between them. Yeah, and I was thinking to myself, I don't know how old they're supposed to be. It's hard to tell. I well, mean, I looked up their ages because you know that I do that with right. everybody. And Kathleen Turner was like in her late 20s, probably wow. 26, 27. And I think William Hurt was around 30, 31. Okay. I, I thought they, they both were older seem than older. That. Yeah. yeah. People just seem older. I was older. thinking maybe they were like even in their 40s. <laughs> I saw cool. some guy on a show recently and. It was revealed that he was 36, which is how old I am. And I basically just hung myself immediately. I was like, this guy looks like he's 55 years old. I'm like, I'm the same age as this guy. (laughs) It was a real guy. It wasn't a character. It wasn't an actor. It was something else. Even this game of cat and mouse that they're playing with each other, it just feels like too much work if you're like a William Hurt character. Plus, like the first rejection, even if playful, would have been enough for me to be like, all right, I'm not pursuing this any further. I mean, you're kind of not buying into the fantasy of the movie, which is that she's so attractive and so unbelievable okay. that he's, like, hooked in. I gotcha. I get it. All right. She's she's laying some bait down. Yeah. And, I mean, she even says that more graphically later. <laughs> they say some graphic shit <laughs> Oh, that's true, other. yeah. I mean, obviously, like... She's, like, once they get a whiff of it, they're, like, following you around or something. Yeah, like, that's nuts. <laughs> once he spills the whatever, the slushy or the snow cone or whatever that is on her and he's walking away and she says are you sure you don't want to lick it off yeah she's like you don't want to lick it yeah he's like all right i'm in yeah no one really talks like this the way they (laughs) talk to each other but who cares no it's fun that's the fun of these types of movies maddie's married to this rich and successful businessman who conveniently is only home on weekends I love she how that works out. Lays this bait down. The banter turns sexual. She's returning the vibe just enough. I love that when he goes into the bathroom to get the paper towel to wash. There's just that dude. Yeah, that dude's just hanging out in the bathroom. I mean, I, I get that he's like smoking a joint, right? Which is and revealed. It's like the 80s, but at first like hiding, it is. But it almost feels jarring the way that it's shot. He walks. He feels into like an attendant, but there's yeah. nothing there. He's just a teenager standing in the bathroom. Yeah, and it looks like he's doing nothing at first, just like standing <laughs> there staring out. Yeah, it is weird. But when Ned gets out of the bathroom, Maddie's gone, and so he's left with this. I gotta find this girl. Of, yeah. yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, I mean, when you go back, not to immediately then jump to the end again, but. <laughs> But when you go back and you look at it, it's like, yeah, she does everything 100% perfectly. That's right. But that's the only way a movie like this can work or make sense. You have to buy in enough. Because even the first time you watch it, I mean, you may not see all of the twists coming. And you may not even know the final deal. You, You may be confused by some of the details by the time it gets to the end. But you don't want everything to be fucked up right away i mean true everything has to be perfect for this to all get from point a to point b to points you know what i mean yeah so, so she of course everything her whatever her plan is right which we won't really get into yet has to work perfectly yep because there's so many key elements and we'll hit them along the way and about what the plan is and why it has to happen a certain way i would say the the cookie crumb that she leaves here is sort of the neighborhood that she lives in yeah, which they, he they, guesses part, correctly. Right, part of the conversation. Yeah. So that leads him to like his next. Uh, yeah, he avenue basically of pursuit. starts like 
there's like weird moments in this movie where it kind of like goes to like a vague version of like a montage almost, but it's not like a full blown yeah. montage. They do it to like transition between scenes a lot. And this first right. one is basically Ned trying to find Maddie again. He goes to the same place the He's next just like night. It seems like, like a field. It seems like <laughs> in, in one scene. Yeah, he just shows up to where the band was again, and then she's not there. But then there is no 1981 version of Craigslist misconnections. That's right. You yeah. know, it's like, what are you going to take a personal ad in the newspaper to find someone you met briefly? There's just no way. So he drives out to this place called Pinehaven, which is where she lives, which is what they talked about. There's one bar, I guess, in the area called Pinehaven Tavern. Yeah, it looks like my kind of joint, too. And Ned guessed right, because she's there. I guess in order for her little breadcrumb trail to work, I mean, he would have to have guessed this on his own. And if he didn't show up, she was probably going to have to go looking for him again. Because it's essential (laughs) that it's Ned. That Ned is the guy. Yeah. I love how we're, like, dancing around it as if there's people listening to this being like, don't spoil it, even (laughs) though we're going to listen to the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. It's a narrative. Come on. Yeah, it's basically like, I guess we should just take a more straightforward approach from this point and stop fucking with the ending. So basically, he's looking a for a hot chick that he met. <laughs> so he's like, all right, I found out where she lived. I'm going to check out the local bar. She's there. This bitch is really into her chimes. That's right. Talking about these wind chimes. I, I do like the part at the bar, though, where all the other dudes are, are looking at him. And yeah, he's like, what did I do? And she's like, you're the only one that I've let stay here for more than a second or whatever. And it's just like those dudes that go to that bar every night when she's there, and she just will have none of it. She mentions that she runs a couple of degrees warmer, around 100, which I found to be odd. <laughs> I was like, so she always has There's a low-grade fever going. Quite a declaration to make, yeah. <laughs> she's always on Molly or something. But they're playing like this little cat and mouse game at the bar. The heightened conversation is continuing. They're dancing around it. He'll get a little bit forward with something. She'll take a step back and oh, then yeah. he'll sort of retreat. So then she'll say something, dangle another little thing out so that he'll go for it. Ned is both reasonably intelligent, but also arrogant and also lazy. Yes. These three elements are important. And also kind of sleazy. Yeah, a little bit. But these elements are all important to the type of mark Maddie's searching for. Hurt's performance in these introductory scenes between Ned and Maddie reveal a strong confidence that Ned has, and yet also show us he's quite capable of being dazed and falling under her spell. So he's confident enough to pursue someone like Maddie. But also, he's revealing enough vulnerability to the audience that we're like, it's believable that he's going to like fall under her spell and just follow her around. And just act like an idiot. Yeah. Which is kind of a tricky acting proposition. I think Hurt had only been in one other movie before this, Altered States. Okay. And so this was the beginning of his career. I think Kasdan wanted unknowns so that the audience would sort of not recognize them, not come in with preconceived ideas about the characters yeah which is kind of a pipe dream for directors it's like you're gonna have to mostly do what the studio tells you this was this was a time where you could get a budget and still cast unknowns if you want to i'm just thinking about like william hurt being like 31 in this movie and i'm just like wow he seems like a man and here i am like three years older than him doing a podcast on your fucking futon (laughs) 
People just wore facial hair differently. He's losing his hair already a little bit, which makes him look older. And as shown in throughout the movie where there's several scenes of him jogging and then immediately pulling out cigarettes. I mean, people were smoking nonstop. hard, yeah. Yeah. Just people looked older. I don't know what to tell you. It's true. Yeah, you're right. I think they peaked at some point. I don't think it necessarily it all it goes back forever in America at least. I don't think if you go back to like 1900 people who are 10 look 40. It's not it doesn't quite work like that. There was a peak at some point where okay, people yeah. like looked the oldest that they would look. And I think that actually happened in like the 70s and early 80s. You look back at it and somebody'll be like 20 years old and they'll look like they could be your mom right now. Yeah, really. And you're just like <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> now people look like children all the time. You know what I mean? Like, everyone looks super young. Right. I don't know. People just take better care of themselves? I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I think it's also, like, a mindset. I'm 36, but I don't feel like I look 36 because I basically dress like a kid. That's right. And act like a kid and am not responsible at all. Wear, like, T-shirts with, like, Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct (laughs) on it. (laughs) Yeah. It's basically, like, age is just a mindset. (laughs) This podcast veering into like R. Kelly territory. Oh no. Age is just a number, Matt. Oh, I don't know boy. what to tell you. Okay, so Ned gets himself over to Maddie's house by saying he wants to see the chimes. Of course, her husband's out of town. The feeling of all of this stuff is that it's a game. He says he wants to see the chimes. She's like, All right, but just the chimes, then you gotta leave. Yeah. Even though like they both know they're full right. of shit. Yes. But it's clear from some of these scenes especially like the more times you watch this movie and then you know what's going to happen and so you can start seeing the signposts it's clear that ned is already outmatched if this is a game he's not even really playing it's just a one-player game yeah she's in control of the situation and maddie seems like she never loses no it's almost its own kind of game to make him think he's a part of it that's right yeah (laughs) there's a trail of neds i'm feeling like after they get back to Maddie's house and she shows him the chimes on the porch, she's like, please go. <laughs> and he's like, what? And she's like, yeah. And then she gives him like this quick peck and then like runs inside the house. She's like, I'm weak and runs inside the house. <laughs> this whole thing is like completely insane because of like the craziness of it. I don't really think it plays well in 2020, even though. I do believe it's fairly obvious that they're playing a game and they're yeah. both consenting to this game that they're playing right now. But the way that it comes off is weird because she tells him to leave. He leaves. He walks to his car. Then he comes back and the doors lock and she won't let him in. But she's staring at him, like not really even I know. saying this anything. This is wild. So he starts walking around the house like a wild animal. <laughs> and then he picks up like a stool or something and throws it through a window. I know. Well, first of all, I'm like. I mean, if you're trying to be inconspicuous, this is not... Yeah, how is she going to explain that to her husband? They never even addressed that. Not addressed, yeah. (laughs) The first sesh, though, I mean, he goes for it. She's not stopping him. She's into it. It's pretty hot stuff, but they they hold back on the nudity so far. yeah. But, I mean, it's not... It doesn't take very long, because then again, it kind of transitions into, like, another little montage thing, where it's a full-blown affair... A lot of nakedness between the two of them. He's just stopping by all the time during the day. Well, he's got five days out of the seven, basically. Yeah, but I mean, are you counting on that all the time? That's part of the deal when you're having an affair. You're always playing with fire that if something changes or whatever, you could get busted at any moment. That's true. It's pretty 
sexual. They're both insatiable. Just a lot of sweat, ice cubes being dumped in the bathtubs, (laughs) all kinds of shit. Yeah, real wild. Ned's two friends are Peter Lowenstein, played by Ted Danson, and Oscar Grace, played by J.A. Preston. Now, Peter is the assistant deputy prosecutor, so he basically works cases on the opposite side of Ned. But they're buds. Yeah, which I think... I don't know if that happens in real life, but that happens in a lot of movies and TV shows. Yeah. Just because they're on opposite sides of working in the courtroom, once they're like not in the courtroom, they're like friends. I mean, that, right. I've seen that in other movies and shows. But even like during that trial that's going on when they're having the little sidebar with Judge Costanza or whatever. like <laughs> Judge George Costanza. Yeah, that's right. It's basically like they're going to let Ned's client off, essentially for like, it seems like no reason. <laughs> He's just like, your case sucks. Like, you didn't come here with, like, a good defense, but, like... Well, it was something stupid yeah. about porta-potties or some shit. Right. Like, it wasn't anything. Yeah, I know. But I yeah, guess, like, I the think... prosecutor's basically just like... Well, we yeah, find whatever. out that, like, Costanza, like, doesn't like him. Right. Although it never really is, like, a huge part of the plot. Although, but like, mentioned enough. Peter is more, like, his buddy, but definitely gets the better of him, it seems like, most of the time. Yeah. Because, yeah, it doesn't seem like Ned is a great lawyer. No. He seems like a public defender, like His heart's somebody not you get yeah. assigned. Right. He even makes that joke at the beginning when he sees the place that used to be the seafood restaurant burning out the window when it's he's with that other clients. chick. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I'm. Pro- it's probably going to be one of my clients. Which the way that I originally took that was like one of his clients was some businessman on the wrong side of the wall, like, pulling, like it was some arson scam, not realizing like that really he would be representing like the actual like arsonist criminal. <laughs> Yeah, like Teddy, who we'll meet later. It's just convenient, though, that one friend, Peter, is the assistant deputy prosecutor. The other friend, Oscar, is a police detective. And it's like the three of them palling around talking to each other. And, of course, that works well for the story. Talking about, like, whatever chicks, like, Ned is hooking up with. That seems to be a big topic of conversation. Yeah, Peter's married, though it doesn't seem believable. Oscar, he's more, like, straight-laced and cares about the law only wow what a loser which also becomes a problem yeah over time maddie reveals things to ned about her relationship with her husband edmund according to her not good no she says things like can't stand the thought of him (laughs) he's small and mean and weak oh boy they don't go so far as to have her accuse Edmund of anything specific they don't go that route like he beats me or anything like that just he's a jerk and I don't like him yeah which is kind (laughs) of enough for Ned he's like yeah this guy sounds like a monster first he doesn't say anything he's just like sucks for you babe yeah (laughs) (laughs) but she needs to work on him she needs to like lay out the scenario for him she needs him to come to a conclusion a very important little incident happens early on in their little affair though when ned comes over one night and sees a woman standing in a gazebo on the walker property absurd talk about confidence yeah he thinks that it's maddie so he walks up behind the woman who's staring staring off into the nothingness i guess and he says hey lady want to fuck yeah wild again and he makes a comment about this sort of uh putting himself down you're participating in this affair not noticing another car in the driveway that seems nuts yeah how you're not noticing yeah 
so the woman turns around. It turns out to be somebody else <laughs> who does bear a striking resemblance to Maddie, and it turns out it's this visiting friend from high school named yeah. Marianne Simpson. Another vixen. I like her reaction though. Yeah. To Ned saying, "Hey, lady, want to fuck?" She goes she's, with it. She's rolling with That's it. That's right. <laughs> Definitely like an attractive yes, woman. I recognized her from somewhere, looked into it. She appeared in an episode of Seinfeld, okay. though I could not picture her in it. Yeah. She did not have a ton of acting credits. Though. Wow. I don't really know what I would have known her from. I'd have to maybe take another look. Did but she date Jerry or George? I don't know. Yeah. Maddie reveals to Ned that there is a prenup meaning that she won't be able to leave her husband and get the money. Well, what did you think of this friend, though? I mean, she's just there and then takes off. I mean, the yeah. whole story around okay. her is... If you want to circle back, Maddie does hand her an envelope, and that's it. Yeah. She leaves immediately, and you're just kind of left there wondering, what does this mean? Yeah, but... It's clearly important. Right. <laughs> you don't know why... But Maddie is, like, telling Ned, no one can know about what's going on with us. Like, no one, like, swear to me, you know, making a big deal about it. And then when her friend finds out, she's like, nah. <laughs> like, yeah, well, no she acted deal. like she, she acted as if Marianne already knew. Right. The whole thing turns out to be much more convoluted and complicated than it seems even. And when you go back after watching it, there are a lot of loose ends that you have to, like, think about. And it took me probably in my life watching this movie – two to three times before I really like put like everything made sense yeah. to me. Cause I, I was, I would always be left with like a question of like, well, what did this part mean? So if you're not feeling committed right now, <laughs> <laughs> listen to this podcast yeah. two to three times. This is probably going to go on to be like our worst episode ever. <laughs> We're like always in contention. For go that. on to be, <laughs> it's already there. Okay. So Maddie and Edmund have a prenup. She can't get the money by divorcing him. Edmund will find out here in a minute, played by Richard Crenna, sort of a, I wouldn't really say like a leading man, I guess, but a, yeah. a, a character actor of the time. He's got a distinguished look, I would say. He brings Heather home, Maddie and Edmund's niece, and they spend the weekend together with Edmund being there, and then Edmund leaves, but he is leaving the niece there for a couple of days before his sister, Roz, is going to pick her up. For some reason... Okay. These two fucking idiots, Maddie and <laughs> yeah. Ned, can't wait a couple of goddamn days. I mean, I they're so sex crazed that he's sneaking over at night. Hiding in the water? It's Florida. It probably rained at some point, okay. plus the sweat. She kept saying, like, you're salty. I, I couldn't figure that out. I'm I like, think it was what? sweat. Okay. I don't think he was in the ocean. That's a <laughs> but they do have a beachfront property, so. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he was in the ocean. <laughs> well, that's what I was like. <laughs> There's a whole yard he could have hit it. I mean, it's just a little girl. Yeah. But yeah, so he comes over. They're like on a terrace like outside of her bedroom, and she starts blowing him, literally. And yeah. Heather walks in, kind of interrupts it. And it's weird how they cut this because it goes from Heather running away scared of what she's seeing to Heather being picked up by her mother and leaving. So you don't even know how they like – tried to smooth that over or like what happened the rest of that night or anything really i don't know but clearly they're getting sloppy because this fall this is right this on is the heels of the mary decision. and simpson yeah. thing we don't know what the fuck they're thinking ned goes to this restaurant by himself he ends up running into maddie he almost makes a fool of himself because it turns out maddie's with her husband oh yeah and so then she comes up with a cover story that this is some local lawyer that was inquiring about buying the house 
Edmund seems like, all right, whatever, and he invites Ned to eat with them, which leads to this weird and awkward scene where the three of them, Maddie, her husband, and Ned, are eating dinner at a fancy restaurant. And you're like, this can't get any more awkward. (laughs) And then Maddie goes to the bathroom, and it gets even more awkward. That's right. Because The, The dialogue here is nuts. I was like... Does he know that they're having an affair? That's what Why I does thought. he immediately bring up, if she ever cheated on me, I'd kill the man with my bare well, hands? Like, I, where is that coming from? And I thought it was something with the cigarettes, because she started smoking his brand, and he's smoking them. Yeah, I mean, not to like spoil everything, but this doesn't really pay off in any way. It's just, it makes me wonder if he's just always suspicious. And so he's like considering this as a possibility. They shoot it in a specific way. The way he delivers the dialogue and looks up afterwards, he's making a threat. Basically saying like, if my wife ever cheated on me, I'd kill the man with my bare hands. Then he like stops and looks up. (laughs) Do you think though that he knows they've already had sex or he's just like don't get any ideas back the fuck off yeah i don't know because they're like spending time together right now and then it basically is revealed i even think edmund said it himself like i'm not around during the week most of the time so Which then he's weird like kind of putting it out there like yeah. hey don't even think about it right. i don't know okay like, they could be it's that. never yeah. explained because it never really matters one way or the other exactly in the end. you're right but the other important part of this conversation is, like, they move on from Maddie to, like, business talk and getting rich talk. And Edmund goes on to this whole, like, monologue about how a lot of guys, including the guy that Maddie was with before him, they want to get rich. They want to get everything in one big score. But when it comes right down to it, they won't do whatever is necessary. And he keeps saying whatever is necessary, whatever is necessary to get it done, to get Hell rich. Yeah. And, and Ned's like pushing him like well what do you mean like this that and he's like no I just mean whatever's necessary yeah and so that sort of pushes Ned over the line as far as like him figuring out what he wants to do and needs to do conversation is so awkward though like Ned's like laughing that's going on here like they're making these jokes and like laughing about them but they're yeah, like they I don't think really he's feel like, like trying jokes. to like keep it light yeah. maybe because of the awkwardness of what they were just talking about True. and he's maybe he's supposed to be like unsure of what that first part meant well, i'll be right back then maybe we can talk about pantyhose or something interesting <laughs> she's something isn't she oh She's a lovely lady. Yeah, yeah, she is. And I'm crazy about her. If I thought she was seeing another guy, I don't know. Oh, I could understand how it could happen. Her being the way she is, I could understand it, but I think I'd kill the guy with my bare hands. That's understanding. (laughs) (laughs) Please. You'd never believe the Dorcas she was with when I met her. Guy came to us with a business proposition. We're always looking for opportunities. We're willing to take an occasional risk. The downside isn't too steep if the conditions are right. But this guy, he hadn't done his homework. He didn't know the bottom line. That's how I knew he was full of shit. Gotta know the bottom line. That's all that counts. But he didn't have the goods, this guy. He's like a lot of guys you run into. They want to get rich, they want to do it quick, they want to be there with one score. But they're not willing to do what's necessary. You know what I mean? I'm not sure. You mean do the groundwork, earn it? No. No, I mean do what's necessary. 
Whatever's necessary. Yeah. I know that kind of guy. I hate that. It makes me sick. Me too. I'm a lot like that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a weird scene, and it's never fully explained yeah. as to what the meaning was because i guess you're like marking your territory it's like swinging your dick around yeah. men talk but okay. it does seem weird that's like you're out to dinner now and then you invite this guy that you don't really even know to sit with you it does seem your wild. wife goes to the bathroom and then you immediately launch into this weird thing why would you do that unless you were suspicious of something but the movie never gives any indication that he thinks that she's having an affair besides this. There's never any other scene. There's never any... And I watched the deleted scenes, and I didn't see anything like that in there either. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know what the motivation is there. More jogging from Ned, followed by smoking immediately. Yeah, always wearing his Florida State shorts. Or shirt. Or shirt, yeah. yeah. The crucial moment in the film is when Ned pitches the idea of killing Edmund. Yes. It's Ned's idea, and it had to be Ned's idea. It is almost like Maddie's doing like a little version of Inception here. Yeah. That is like the most important part, which I think is why well, a I mean, lot of those character traits that I mentioned about him, his confidence, his laziness, yeah. he has to be smart enough to come up with this plan on his own, but not smart, too smart to realize that it's being put into his head well, subliminally. She's like... Well, I don't know what to do. My husband's a dick. I don't really like him. but He's if, got all this money, and if I divorce him, I don't get it. Yeah, there was this prenup situation. Oh, boy, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> and that's just like, well, I'll kill him. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he's a genius. <laughs> when you think about it in terms of the real world, now... If you watch like any true crime shit or you listen to true crime podcasts or you get sucked into that, it does seem like average, ordinary, everyday people do get sucked up into murder plots and weird shit happens all the time from big cities to the most rural place ever yeah. to suburbia. It's just people kill people. It happens. Varying motivations. A lot less money than the money supposedly Maddie would be getting has motivated people to kill, but it does still feel weird it's, that if you're rolling the dice yeah. to be like, I'm going to try to hook somebody into something with me, that you're actually going to get them to be able to come up with this on their own. I mean, it all works out, like we said. I mean, everything has she to found, work out for there to be a movie. But Yeah, I, I mean, she found the right mark. She's a mastermind. He's a lawyer, so I guess part of it is his own arrogance of thinking, like, I can figure out how to do this and not get caught yeah which is sort of a weird mindset to have because yeah it but that's seem like i think what all criminals think yeah is, well, well sure. not all of them but yeah. a lot of them think like i'm smart i know how to do this and not get caught yeah and when he has his whole conversation with mickey rourke which i know we'll get to the scene but he just seems completely delusional yeah he's thinking about that pussy that's right yeah <laughs> yeah a lot of nudity from Kathleen Turner, sort of a brave performance. I know, like, her and William Hurt did, like, weird shit, like, introduced themselves to, like, a lot of the crew, like, while they were both nude and stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, get them, get everybody comfortable. <laughs> I don't know if that would really work. <laughs> I think I'd be like, oh, God. But, yeah, it was her big break. I mean, she wasn't 
originally even going to be able to audition for it because she was just somebody that had been on a soap opera for like a couple of years not any other acting credits I don't really think she was going to be given the opportunity things changed she luckily got the opportunity to audition so then once you're handed that opportunity you just got to say fuck it and go for it I mean she's super naked a lot in this movie oh yeah the two of them are naked together like rolling around on each other sweating Let's not forget about that. Yeah, but it's fake sweat. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Which it's may better. actually be grosser, <laughs> depending on what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she had an interesting career. Romancing the Stone was like a huge movie a couple years later. She had some big hits, but she also was in like a lot of dumbass movies. I don't know if like her career ever yeah. quite panned out the way that some people thought it would. Like after the initial like hot start of this movie, like launching her to fame. I wouldn't say she's like a known superstar that lived on what other movie have we done on the pod that she was in oh boy i can't even remember what movies we've done for the pod (laughs) the virgin suicides oh okay yeah wow (laughs) so there you go she's still in stuff now albeit like much different roles i mean she's a much older woman now but (laughs) <laughs> doing this type of role just completely nude and sweating she's like 65 years old yeah anyway when ned is originally bringing up the idea and they're first kind of toying with it playing with the idea trying it on convincing themselves of it maddie brings up the idea that she wants to change the will right now she's supposed to get half of edmund's money and the other half is supposed to go to heather the niece and ned lets her talk for like a minute and then he's just like no nothing strange can happen in his life right now we can't get greedy don't be an idiot that is the one thing that will fuck us over is greed because if anything weird happens in his life that's gonna bring suspicion onto us because the idea here is to make it not look like a murder at all yeah so right now i'm feeling like ned knows what he's doing maddie agrees and apologizes and they move on from the idea so Ned goes to see Teddy Lewis, played by Mickey Rourke. A young Mickey Rourke, an early role. Yeah, looking good. Yeah, much different than weird. what he would look like in The Wrestler. Yeah, I, w- I was watching this and then something else that we might do for the show. Uh, a lot of Mickey Rourke yeah, <laughs> trashy well, movies this in is, the 80s. This is his genre, baby. I was saying to Lindsay, man, it is just hard to believe that that is the same guy. Yeah. It's in like The Wrestler and like Sin City and stuff. Iron Man too. Yeah. Yeah, he just has a completely different voice, different face. Yeah, it just, just completely looks like a different, different person. Yeah. He was in Heaven's Gate and I think 1941 in smaller parts before this, but this was also his launching pad. So Body Heat really got things going for a couple of different people. I know where he is, not far from here. I don't want you with me. I thought we settled that. Look, I'll wait in the car, but I want to take the risk with you. We're both doing this. I take my card and I stand in line To make a buck, I will go over time This will let us keep coming in, babe I work my back to this rag with pain The boss can't even recall my name I show up late and I'm down to Matter. You can't think of a little music? It's like this, I said. It's fast, it's hot, it's simple. That's it? Yeah, you can use the clock or rig it to something that moves. If it starts big, it'll go with just the mag chips. 
If you want a little more, splash a little accelerator around. So just regular gasoline? Yeah, regular, unleaded, supreme, whatever you like, counselor. I gotta tell you, though, this mama's got a big drawback to it. What? It's easy to spot. Even after the meltdown, they're gonna know it's arson. I don't care about that. That's all there is to it? No, no, that ain't all there is to it. You gotta get in, you gotta get out. You gotta pick the right spot, the right time. And you gotta try not to get famous while you're in the act. That's all there was to it. Any idiot could do it. Sorry. And now I wanna ask you something. Are you listening to me, asshole? Because I like you. I got a serious question for you. What the fuck are you doing? This is not shit for you to be messing with. <laughs> are you ready to hear something? I want you to see if this sounds familiar. Anytime you try a decent crime, you got 50 ways you can fuck up. If you think it's 25 of them, then you're a genius. And you ain't no genius. You remember who told me that? Hey, no smoking in here. Look, why don't you let me do it for you? Gratis, I'll do it. I wouldn't even be on the street if it wasn't for you. Thanks. I sure hope you know what you're doing. You better be damn sure, because if you ain't sure, then don't do it. Of course, that's my recommendation anyway. Don't do it. Because I'll tell you something, counselor, this arson is serious crime. Rourke plays Teddy. He's a former client of Ned's. He provides Ned with this little time bomb type situation for yeah. arson, basically. And Teddy, the criminal, is like the voice of reason here. Yeah. He says, whatever you're thinking of doing, my advice would be don't do it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. If what I think is happening is happening, it better not be. <laughs> It's more like I know you're going to do what you're going to do, but my advice is to don't do this. Yeah. Like, Whatever you're thinking, it's not worth it. Don't do it. There's always 50 things that could go wrong, and even the most brilliant criminals only think of 25, and you're not brilliant, or like things like that. Yeah, which is what Ned had told Teddy back in That's the right. day. That's right, yeah. thrown in his face. But they're going to do it. So Ned drives down to Miami, checks into a hotel to establish an alibi. He then drives back in the dead of night to Maddie and Edmund's house. Maddie's kind of on edge, not sure what to do, doesn't know, I guess, the exact moment that Ned is going to get into the house. Yeah. Sort of getting Edmund to like come back. I think she like has sex with him. We don't really see I that. She lures him back to bed. And then Edmund hears a noise, and then he's like, Oh, I'm going to go like, into this closet and get this gun. Yeah, immediately which, angry. But, like, here's, like, a noise, and it's just like, there's an intruder. I'm going to kill him. Yeah. It makes you wonder if this is something he thought would happen, if he suspects that Maddie... He doesn't say anything to Maddie, but it just is weird when you couple that... I've been that, waiting for this yeah, moment. Yeah, when you couple it with, like, what he said at the table at that dinner. Does he By think the this way, has something to do with a lover of Maddie's? I, don't I know, know it happens pretty quickly, but when the confrontation occurs, he doesn't seem surprised by the person that's there. Yeah, I know, but Maybe that's in that fair. confusion yeah. and everything, like I don't even know if he really knew what was going on. But Edmund brings this gun down, which wasn't part of the plan. Maddie had not accounted for the gun. I don't really know what the right word would be, but it's like such a humiliating beatdown when you think about it, because it's like Edmund goes downstairs because he thinks he hears an intruder he makes his way down them he's down there looking around 
Maddie is afraid now and nervous that it's going to get fucked up because of the gun. So she comes to the top of the steps and yells, he has a gun. Yeah. And Edmund <laughs> thinks that she's talking to him. Right. And he's Sad. like, where? Yeah. And then that's when Ned comes out of a closet and tries to hit him with a board. Yeah. There's a struggle. Sort of a botched attempt. At- They're fighting on the ground. The gun goes rolling away. But at the last minute... Ned is able to reach out, get the board, and hit him twice or whatever. I guess he kills him with the board. It, it seems like kind of an easy way to die, but yeah, really, whatever. just like two hits to the head, and yeah, it's it. one of those things where they're not gonna like get gross about it and have yeah. him like crushing his skull. You know, <laughs> oh boy, it's yeah. like all right, he's dead. We get it. Yeah, we got let's it. move. On. He's dead. Although it was one of those things that as the following scenes were going on, I kept envisioning another struggle. I'm like, I don't think he's dead, but he is. Yep. But, yeah, there is that moment that any man, I think, watching this would think about, where that humiliating moment where you realize, like, you understand that Edmund must realize what has happened. Like you said, maybe he recognizes Ned from the restaurant. He understands that this attacker didn't have a gun. Yes, that his wife was just so diabolical. (laughs) That this was some sort of a plan. I think that he would realize she was in on it. It's just really... Kind of an unfortunate way to go. Ned then moves the body to an abandoned building connected to Edmund's business interests. It's a building that's been brought up a couple times. It's not super relevant. It used to be like a restaurant or something. It's it's near the, the beach or something. Ned puts him inside and detonates the bomb he got from Teddy to make it look like Edmund was killed during a botched arson attempt. And then the last thing that Ned tells maddie after she picks him up and drives him back to, to get the other car and everything okay we won't talk for a long time now is what he says basically to like lay low play it cool yeah let you collect the money everything but oh no <laughs> <laughs> yep ned has got a lot of things to worry about that he didn't see coming that's right out of the blue edmund's lawyer from miami not really clear how long after the death. I know. Well, in the movie, it's immediately the next scene. So yeah, but like, <laughs> it feels like some time yeah. probably would have went on here. Probably within like a week or so after the funeral. The lawyer from Miami contacts Ned about a new will that Ned supposedly drafted for Edmund shortly before his untimely death. Yeah. As a viewer, I was like, oh, I didn't know he did that. <laughs> Except, of course... We know Ned did no such thing right. and was actually very much against it. Yeah. He was like, we can't do anything like that. <laughs> that will turn all the suspicion on us. Little does he know, and little do you, I think, I think even like the first time I watched this, I didn't really get everything that, like, you get the basics by the end of the movie, but all of the little things that Maddie does on purpose to make sure that they will suspect her and Ned. Yeah. But, like, the part that is, like, hard to understand is, like, her, too, until you realize, like, what she's going to do. It's such a bold thing to try because, let's be honest, like, it isn't the same thing as an insurance payout where they would fight forever and and dispute everything. But this could get tied up. Yeah, Yeah. they could contest this inheritance and, and the will and everything. And the sister is in the mix, I mean... I don't know. It probably varies like state to state, like what all of the laws yeah. are. In and somehow to it feels like in Florida, it's just like, well, whatever It's goes. interesting because later on, Peter, Ted Dan- Danson's character, will make the joke about a specific act not being illegal in the state of Florida anymore. A blowjob. Yes. Sodomy. But at the time, it actually still was illegal. <laughs> 
because all of those laws were still on the book about banning all versions of sodomy. Oh, yes. Which was basically just, like, disguised anti-gay okay, laws. Like, right. you weren't allowed to be gay by law. Which is basically what the purpose of all of those were for. They weren't really concerned about sure. heterosexual people blowing each other. But, you know, I think part of that was because they originally wanted to set this in a different state. Okay. I think it's better that it's Florida because it's just weird. Right. There aren't as many movies It has like that this wild thing feel. <laughs> This was like a, I wouldn't say like a great grandparent, but like a, a great aunt to Wild Things. I think so. It was like a precursor yes. in a way. <laughs> Turns out this will, this new will that Ned doesn't know about, there's a problem and there's the need for a meeting. Ned doesn't really know how to react to this over the phone, doesn't know what to say, obviously doesn't want to say anything that's going to incriminate himself, doesn't want to incriminate Maddie because he's still on her side. It's important to sure. understand like he is holding out hope of this until right. the end basically so ned edmund's lawyers maddie edmund's sister roz and peter lowenstein who is heading up an inquiry into the death are all present for this meeting yeah the new will was witnessed by marianne simpson and surprisingly it is nearly identical to the original will that is the surprising part because you assume when you hear about this that she's trying to make changes that will give her all the money but that's not what she's doing She's way smarter than that. Right. She knows about something else, which I'm sure most viewers had no idea what that would be. Everything's in order up to there. The problem comes in the language of the bequest to Heather. It's a technical matter. In writing the will, I'm afraid Mr. Racine violated what's known as the rule against perpetuities. It forbids an inheritance to be passed down indefinitely for generations. I knew that a probate judge in Miami would spot the mistake right away. So I thought I'd bring it up here to Okilanta County. Since Edmund had the residence here, and see if I could get lucky with a judge who didn't know estate law quite so well. Perhaps find one with the same kind of training as Mr. Racine. Unfortunately, my plan backfired. I ran into a judge who had had other dealings with Mr. Racine. A judge Costanza. In fact, it seems there were problems with an estate in a case four years ago. Very different problems, it's true, but on a will that Mr. Racine prepared. It was quite a mess. Accusations of carelessness and malpractice suit. I think he called it the Gorson case. Gorson. Once again, Mr. Harton, you've lost me. Yes, what does this all mean? It means, I'm afraid, that Edmund's will is invalid. Edmund Walker died intestate, as though there were no will at all. So what happens now? You don't know? No, I don't. Perhaps Mr. Racine would like to tell you. In the state of Florida, when a person dies without a will and there are no children or surviving parents, then the spouse inherits everything. My God. You mean... It's all mine. Though that was clearly not your husband's intention. My God. He intended Heather to benefit. Oh, of course. Of course, I understand. Of course. It turns out that the will was improperly prepared. I don't think we need to get into specifics of what was wrong with it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But it ultimately renders the new will null and void. And what happens by Florida law is that when there's no surviving children or parents, yeah. all of the inheritance 
would go to the spouse who is Maddie. So <laughs> now she's inheriting everything. Funny uh, moment during this scene. I like when the lawyer dude is like, do you mind if I smoke? And they all start lighting up. And uh, <laughs> Peter's just like, no thanks. I'll just breathe it in. <laughs> I'll just breathe the air. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, how grotesque was the world back then? Just everybody's smoking indoors. I know it's wild. It's so hard to imagine now because we've changed so much in like the last 25 years and you can't smoke anywhere in, inside and most places outside even in really? public. It's just completely banned. I think, you know, somebody smokes in this building illegally and it, it causes oh yeah. things to smell. But just for the most part, it's just not something we even really think about anymore. So I kind of sidetracked it, but at this point, something dawning on Ned that something's up here. He understands that she's done this potentially on purpose. I mean, he's made to look like a fool. Yeah. And Maddie looks like the unwitting benefactor of the error, which appears to be his error. And when Maddie's like, well, what does this all mean? And the guy's like, well, Ned, why don't you tell her? And he's like, in the state of Florida, blah, 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 the wife would get everything. And he just has like this wry smile on his face where he knows <laughs> yeah. that she knew that this would happen. It's a unbelievably clever move to everyone else in the room like as far as like they, they don't know that but i mean as far as duping everyone else in the room but as far as what kind of a move it is to ned it's a very revealing move oh yeah because he knows that she didn't just change the will to for her to get the money right she made it so that the will would just not count so there was no will so she'll get the money as almost like yeah an accident but right and it does it draws all the suspicion towards him Yes. And then it should draw his suspicion towards her. I don't know if yes. we're there yet. <laughs> well, he's a little... He's more he's like... still the under fuck? the spell, yeah. but there definitely is like that sinking feeling starting now that like increases over the rest of the movie of just like, what it the takes fuck like, is going on? It takes like six or seven more of these types of moves for him to finally be like... Yeah, I mean, virtually everybody is yeah. going to have to reveal something to him before the end, before he's finally like, okay... <laughs> Peter and Oscar are both looking into Edmund's death. They're, like, hanging out at Ned's apartment when he gets back at one point. Oscar is just, like, not fucking around. He's, like, she's poisoned. How are you hanging around with her? Because now that Edmund's dead, it's becoming more and more obvious that Maddie and Ned know each other. That and that they, there's a relationship here. It hasn't really been fully revealed that they're having a sexual relationship, but he is up front saying that he's going to go over there. He's acting as if this is the first time he's about to like have sex with her. For sure. Okay. But yeah. they're like, what the fuck are you doing? It's kind of a good move on Ned's part. If everything else would have been on the up and up and, and Maddie wasn't scheming and all doing all this other shit to sure, be like, yeah. I'm just going to say it right now. I'm interested in fucking her. And right. she invited me over. So just put that on the table. They're and all acting like this is going to happen for the first time. He does have some shining moments, I think, as far as playing it cool. There's this and the scene where they're testing him with the niece, and he goes like right up to her. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know. I There's mean, a couple well, moments. that's his arrogance, which is sure. one yeah. of the key character traits that she was looking for, because he needs a certain amount of it to believe he can get away with it, to, to come up with this idea. I don't think that he's like dumb. It's just that he's a lazy lawyer who screwed up. He's the type of guy that can fall under the spell of a beautiful woman. Yeah. Which is most of us, okay, I guess. Okay, sure. Not me, but... <laughs> no, but at one point in your life. Maybe. 
Ned, how in the fuck did you ever get involved with this Maddie Walker? What do you mean? I mean, she's poisoned. Tell me what you know about old man's death. What I read in the paper, he died in the fire. It looks like arson. Was arson. Okay, it was arson. I have this feeling she's very bad news. Take some incredibly intelligent advice and stay away from her. He's right for once. Well, I'm sorry, guys. I just can't do that. Why not? Well, for one thing, did you get a look at her? It wouldn't be quite so meaningful, except that today she started coming on to me. And in case you haven't heard, that lady's about to come into a great deal of money. The fact is, she invited me out there tonight, and I am going, and I am going to keep on going. As many days or nights or weekends as she'll have me. Ned, someday your dick is going to lead you into a very big hassle. That lady may have just killed her husband. Peter, she's not going to inherit anything by killing me. Besides, maybe she'll try to fuck me to death. Ned, you've messed up before, and you'll mess up again. It's your nature. But they've always been small time. And this might not be. She's trouble, Ned. The real thing. Big time major league trouble. What do you think Peter and Oscar's level of suspicion is with Ned specifically during this scene in his apartment? I feel like it's high. <laughs> Although, I don't think that With they... him? Yeah, no, I, I don't think I so. I think they think that she did something. Right. And that he they still be are kind of this. giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's just an inept lawyer. <laughs> and so he fucked up the will or whatever. But he's in over his head with like a femme fatale, but he's not as in over his yeah, head as I, he actually is. Right. I don't not think that in the, on it. I don't think that they think that he's a suspect yet. Although it does feel, and maybe this is just to hone in on how Ned is reacting to this. When they leave the lawyer's office after the whole will thing, I feel like there is a little bit of weirdness between him and Peter. Well, he walked out with Maddie and walked her to her car. Yeah, so I guess that's and was that's like, what leads to this scene. Yeah. But, I mean, essentially, Maddie and Ned aren't exactly being discreet anymore. And it's crazy when you're into true crime and you get those love triangle things yep. or, like, let's get rid of the husband or let's get rid of the wife, what, whatever. How fast, how fucking fast people just think that they can just stop being discreet and continue with their lives as if no one's paying attention. And it always comes back to bite them on these fucking things where they're like, yeah, we got rid of the husband. And then okay, the, we can be three together days now. later, yeah. the other guy moves in and everyone's like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah. He's a missing person or whatever. Right. You know, it's like we haven't even closed this case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what Maddie and Ned do, even though Ned thought that he knew how to not get caught and seem to have all these ideas it's like they just throw all caution to the wind and they're like we're gonna carry on an affair now not that long after the husband's death you think peter sees this car scene between the two goes back to oscar and is like all right i think ned's like getting himself in trouble we gotta like (sighs) i don't know it's hard to get a read because peter and oscar aren't in the movie enough to really to know for sure there is a scene later where it seems like Peter is trying to help him and warn him and be like, I don't really give a fuck what happened, but Oscar does because he's really concerned with the law. (laughs) And it seems like Peter, only because of the circumstances of the movie at least, is a better friend. 
Yeah. Or a closer. I don't want to say better because it's not like what Oscar does is wrong, but like a closer friend. But that's just the circumstances of the movie, meaning because of what Oscar's job is, like investigating this death as a murder is putting him in the situation and he's just doing what the job requires and he's going where it leads him. But you do believe Peter in that scene where he's just like, I don't really care about this dude. It seemed like he was kind of a shady businessman. I don't care that he's dead, and I don't care who Agreed. got rich from it. Yeah, but you're gonna get caught because you fucked up, and maybe you don't know the whole story. Like he's not really saying all that stuff, but that's kind of the implication. Like you are in over your head, and you can't trust this woman. And <laughs> Maddie is continuing to spin a web. She's feigning innocence. They're still fucking. They're still having nude scenes together. She's pretending like she didn't know about the past case of Ned's that he screwed up involving a will. Because that's what, I think I mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, the Gorson case. It was something that involved a will. He fucked up something. He got sued for it by other lawyers. Costanza was the judge. It was a whole to-do. The details aren't really relevant other than he had a history. She says that she didn't know anything about it. Seems suspect. She's using words like love, us. Uh Uh-oh. She's still very much acting as if things are going to according to plan. They're going to be fine. Ned is completely addicted, still blinded. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But despite what's being done to Ned, he isn't exactly handling this the best way possible because he is calling more and more attention to himself by going out there every night, at least according to Oscar. And then Peter drops a bombshell on him about Edmund's missing glasses. Every time we saw Edmund throughout the movie, he's wearing the glasses. We find out that he always wears these glasses. He doesn't have contacts. The glasses are with him constantly. The coroner doing the autopsy, the whole deal, there were no glasses. And even in the fire, there would have been remains of the glasses. The glasses weren't there. There are no glasses. The glasses are missing. The glasses are crucial. Right. And that is one of the things about Peter that I can't figure out. Because there's a couple of these moments where he's like, revealing these things but it's like i it feels like he's testing ned also even when he cut, yeah when well i think the, the diner later about talking about the little girl and what she saw that whole scene doesn't age well <laughs> yeah i do think that he recognizes that some of what ned has been saying isn't adding up his behavior has been strange even before edmund died and this all got started he had even mentioned that oh Ned must be with some new woman that we don't know about. He used some other word. (laughs) Right, yes. (laughs) But I feel like they threw that in there to leave like a hint that maybe that would be in Peter's mind later. That all of a sudden he's MIA, like your buddy who's always around. What's going on? And then next thing you know, he's involved in this. It's like, well, if he was involved with a woman, was this the woman? Was this going on before? Was this a plot to kill the husband to get the money because that shit happens husbands kill wives wives kill husbands there's always money involved such a lovely world (laughs) well when someone who's married gets murdered i mean the spouse is usually the suspect yeah doesn't mean they did it but people look at them as a suspect first so if maddie is involved in doing this clearly she wouldn't have been able to kill her husband herself and take his body to this place and stage a whole thing so someone else was involved probably a lover you know pieces start coming together and i think peter is definitely aware of that i'd say so and that's why he's throwing this stuff out there i don't know if he's a hundred percent yet in this moment where they're bringing up the glasses 
it is clear though that Oscar's questioning and kind of treating him more and more like a suspect is right. bristling Ned, and that's one doesn't know what the right way to act is because I think that the police involved can always interpret things however they want. But yeah, sometimes when you bristle at this stuff, it doesn't look good. It makes you look guilty. <laughs> True. I mean, I, I but I do because he's not like- laughing it off anymore. He's like resenting the questions and not answering them right <laughs> why are you guys riding me <laughs> i'm just trying to get a piece from this hot widow basically and then to make matters worse of course maddie doesn't know where the glasses are or she says she doesn't and that is a source of stress and it's the first like fracture that we're seeing now well the second after the will thing this is now another one it is interesting the twists and turns of this movie and feeling like you think that you know where it's going, and then there's more to it. There's, yes. like, more twists to it, really. I know. Kind of a shocking amount of twists, really, in this movie. They bring Heather in, little Heather, to tell the BJ story. Oh, no. <laughs> so this is coming back, and, and it's really, like, a plot red herring, because it ultimately leads nowhere and means nothing. But it's putting more pressure on Ned, because he's not sure. It does show his ability to not crack under the pressure though because this is where i think this is where the heat has turned up the highest on him well you can interpret this a little bit different ways like like you said i mean on the surface it seems cool and collected because he is offered the opportunity to sneak out around Roz and heather yes which this is i will say a test at this point but instead he goes right out there not only says hi and and offers more condolences to Roz, who he met at the meeting about the will but then introduces himself to Heather, crouches down. down. In her face. Now, I agree with you that he's trying to put on a show for Oscar and Peter. This is not a big deal. Like, he's not the guy in the story, so it doesn't matter. She's not going to recognize me. Like, I wasn't this guy. But you could also look at it like he's poisoning the well, meaning if she does recognize it as him and says it's him, he just got right in her face right then. Well, of course she says it's him. She's looking okay, right yeah, at me. Right. Like, yes. I'm the last guy. Like, there's no way to prove that it was actually yeah, him. I, Eyewitness point. testimony is always, yeah. like, wonky, especially if it's a child. And so he's, I think you could look at it like he's putting himself in her mind just in case. That way, if she does end up saying it's him, he could have, like, a thing of, like, well, of course she said it was me. I was just right yep. there. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if that's what they were going for or not, but it is such a daring move because he doesn't really know what she saw or what she would remember. Yeah. It ultimately goes nowhere, though. She doesn't remember the guy's face. The whole scene where Peter's like telling him about what she actually remembered is kind of like disturbing. Horrifying. It's more like their reaction to it. Laughing about it. <laughs> Just thinking it's like really funny that all she could remember was an erect penis and she's like a little girl. Yeah, that is strange. (laughs) And how she had come into Maddie's room, her aunt, because she had a nightmare, and then she sees this fucking dude getting blown. or Like, it is kind of dark. Yeah, a traumatic experience. Oscar continues to piece the story together, though. He travels to Miami. He's checking out this hotel. He's checking out this place where we saw Ned rent a car. Yeah, I will say. uh, The walls uh, are closing in. Of all the twists in this movie... The one that like really hit for me is what happens with the hotel and the alibi. I was like, holy yeah. shit. Well, that was at first that was like confusing to me. Yeah. Because I wasn't getting all of what 
is going on. I was only getting the basic right element of it, but there was like more to it. Peter tells Ned that on the night of the murder, hotel phone records show that repeated calls to Ned's room went unanswered. So this is what you're talking about. Right. Thereby severely damaging his constructed alibi. Why was his phone ringing off the hook? This harkens back to a time, I think, where people would have to call the hotel and get transferred to the room. Nobody would ever do that now. Everyone has cell phones, of course. No, I know. But it leaves this big thing because now not only is like the phone ringing unanswered, but there are people who were aware because they were not even letting calls into the room because it was the middle of the night. Imagine right. that. But that's the thing that this caller was so persistent. Yes. They were like, it was an emergency. You have through. to put me through. So they put the caller through. No one answers. In addition to that, someone has been contacting them, I guess, meaning Peter and Oscar, people looking into the death, offering up Edmund's glasses. They are negotiating with this unknown person wow. for the glasses. And like, what did the negotiation entail? I wonder. What I are the know. demands? Wouldn't you immediately be a person of suspicion if you're like, trying to barter over key evidence in a murder yeah but let's say theoretically that maddie's story checks out because maddie keeps insisting the maid has them at one point then if you're like an interested party you're like technically like a witness of some kind you could want different things besides like money i mean it could be like immunity that's it could true be, in certain scenarios maybe not this one but it could be witness protection or something okay there's various reasons that somebody might be asking for certain things. They're afraid. They could be lying and they don't have the glasses and they're just... They don't know at this point. Oscar's trying to track down this Marianne Simpson because he's desperate to prove his friend's innocence. Is basically what Peter says. Like he, It's killing him to do this. Like he, He's seeing that it might be you. He's trying to find this Marianne Simpson. They found her apartment in Miami... She wasn't there. It looked like she left in a hurry. We can't find her. She's the only wow. one who could verify this story about the will. Everything's looking bad right now. The only part of this movie that really just relies on narrative device just to make things work better and make it more interesting, where you can't really come up with like anything other than just chance, is Ned having that encounter with another lawyer the one who was involved in that prior case, the Gorson case, that's right. that Ned yeah. fucked up. This is not anything to do with anybody's plan or plot or whatever. He just happens to run into this guy. <laughs> sure, yeah. Okay. It, it's a movie. That, that, that's the only if way If we're sending this. it to the House of Buys, we'll buy it because okay, it's fine. the first time we really had to stretch. Because everything else you can kind of chalk up to like a well-planned plan. out thing yeah. and that who knows how many attempts certain things were made and then things come together whatever this is just random it could happen it's not that it couldn't happen it could happen this guy tells ned hey i feel bad typically we wouldn't sue another lawyer but costanza practically insisted we do it <laughs> you botched this fucking thing whatever it was i don't even know the specifics of that case but hey i tried to make amends because i recommended you to this real hot chick this client named Maddie Walker. <laughs> oh, boy. And Ned's just like, what the fuck? Oh, no. And this occurred over a year ago, this guy tells him. Because he hasn't gotten it yet, so it, we need this scene. Well, he, he says, like, when did this happen? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't know, a while ago, like a year ago. 
And then Ned starts to freak out, and he's like Fuck. grabbing the guy. Yeah. He's like, "Did you tell her about the Gorson case?" And he's eventually just like, "Yeah, uh, I guess I did mention about your less than perfect legal acumen <laughs> <laughs> because that I had to say where I knew you from, so I guess it kind of came out, which is weird because." I don't really understand then what this lawyer like, was. Like, why was it a recommendation? Yeah, what were yeah. you recommending him for? Did you just think, like, oh, this chick's hot, so... Do you need a lawyer? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. But it's enough for everything to feel fucked. Because now he doesn't know what's going on. His whole meeting Maddie in the first place doesn't seem like an accident anymore. And no. what has been going on behind the scenes. He goes back to his office, his little receptionist girl is like hey teddy has been reaching out he goes to see teddy who's been picked up on something he's like hey i got a different lawyer but anyway yeah (laughs) he tells ned that since the last time he saw him a beautiful woman came to him wanting an incendiary device that teddy then showed her how to use and how to booby trap a door for it to go off oh boy and she this woman had used Ned's name as an entry point, like, hey, Ned has sent me to get another one because the other wow. one worked out and blah, blah, blah. This seems like a ballsy move by her. I guess or is it's it her all... only choice. Yeah, like, she okay. didn't really have another way to make this work. So she just hoped yeah. that Ned wouldn't run into him. Literally, when you go back and watch these movies from decades prior, there are in infinite amount of things that would be different because of cell phones and the internet (laughs) right and just everything the way people interact the way just everything what happens and so like even this moment it's like if this happened in 2020 yeah it would be hard to sell this to the audience because they'd be like well wouldn't he just like text them and be like hey right i know there's not as much mystery to crime stories and stuff too (laughs) because you're just like anything they can trace everything around like cell phone Think about how many movies are about misconnections with loves and not being at the right place or yeah if you had a cell phone everything would be fixed if you could find another person on facebook everything would be fixed so many movies from (laughs) the past it's like you just throw all that out the window. The internet has ruined everything, including stories. <laughs> really? Yeah. Maddie calls Ned and tells him that her former maid, the one that she'd suspected, has Edmund's glasses and has agreed to return them for some cash. She says that the glasses have been placed in a dresser in the Walker Estate boathouse. Of course, Maddie herself is in Miami, so she can't get the glasses, but she wants Ned to go get those glasses mm-hmm. in the boathouse. But Ned... Ned is a zombie at this point. I don't know. He just doesn't even know what to do. The like, thing is... I he feel, doesn't like, react to anything. He knows, but it almost He doesn't seems, want to believe it. I know. it does. He won't believe it until he sees what's the boathouse. Yeah, and he still almost opens that door. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, fucking... Teddy told you exactly what the fuck was happening, and you still were like, he put his hand on the door for a minute. He knows he's been fucked, and he knows she is trying to kill him now, but he doesn't see the whole picture, and he can't understand all of it. I think that's the thing that's, like, throwing him. It's disorienting. He can't understand this. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get what's happening. And in all fairness, for a viewer watching this the first time, they might not get it all either. I mean, you got to remember all the different little things like Mary Simpson and the alibi falling apart. and There's all these different things swirling around. You're like, yes. what is all of this stuff? That night, Ned goes to the boathouse. 
And as I said, I mean, he gets pretty damn close to opening that door. But he spots a long twisted wire attached to the door, confirming both his and the audience's suspicions. Ned gets a gun from the house, the same one that Edmund brought down on that night of the murder. And he just waits. And he starts to get drunk while waiting. (laughs) Well, there you go. Maddie finally arrives. She doesn't see Ned, obviously. She gets out of her car, starts making a beeline towards the boathouse, like almost too desperately looking over there to see what the fuck's going on. I'm assuming she expected to come back to firefighters, yeah, people being in the area like, oh, this thing blew up here. I don't know, because what is her plan? I, to unclear. drive by yeah. if she saw that it had blew up, keep going? Because that it's supposed to be her in there, as we're going to find out. <laughs> I mean, she just pulls into the driveway of the house. It is weird. Was she just going to confirm that it was done? I, I don't know. That's the only thing that makes sense. As she's walking towards the boathouse, she's surprised by Ned, who's in that gazebo that Marianne Simpson was in a few weeks earlier. She plays Ned, it cool at first. Good to see you. But the gun changes things once she realizes that Ned has a gun. She keeps insisting that she loves him. She is like, well, how can I prove it to you? And he's like, go get those glasses. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, well, you said they weren't there. And he's like, no, I said I didn't see them. As Oscar shows up, presumably to apprehend Ned, because I think he went to Ned's apartment first, Maddie walks towards the boathouse, declaring her love one last time, and then she disappears from view. Ned changes his mind, but it's too late. As he runs towards the boathouse, it explodes. Yeah, well, what was he going to do anyway? I mean, he was being arrested here. Well, he didn't see Oscar yet. Yeah, okay. He just is like, oh, fuck. I don't know. what uh, Is she going to kill herself? Because I guess he starts second-guessing it again. But it's like, dude, dude, <laughs> she's the one yeah. that put that there. Who else would have put it there? Right. <laughs> yeah, he just had it bad. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, I guess, like, all dudes can relate to it in a certain way yeah <laughs> they get involved with uh a toxic woman but they just don't care because <laughs> the sex is so good <laughs> no i don't even want to be sexist i'm sh- I- i'm sure that actually happens to women just as sure. much if not oh, more. Yeah. dudes are assholes or whatever but they got that dick <laughs> <laughs> or just the rush of being in a relationship like that that's just, just dramatic yeah like yeah. we know it's not healthy. We you're know addicted it's horrible. to the drama. Right. You're addicted to the sex. Kind of like the dirty feeling the of the up whole and down, like the good, like the good and the bad. Oh like, god, you're yeah. just like describing my life. Right. Yeah. Cut to Ned in jail. He's just like <laughs> sleeping. Now, okay, I did see people nitpicking this, saying like, "There's no way he would be arrested for anything." There's so many holes that he could point to that he would be able to get off like real easy. But whatever, for the sake of the movie. He's in jail now. It is true. It's they unclear don't have if any... he's been arrested for Maddie's murder. That's true, yeah. Or Edmund's. Like, we don't really know at um, this point. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. It, but, I mean, they really don't have any physical evidence on him. No. So, tough yeah, to make there's a there's definitely some holes stick. in the story, especially at this point. Him getting arrested, it seems kind of flimsy. I would say, like, you know, it's more likely than not that he killed them. <laughs> but I don't think that... They have a, a strong enough case. No. Especially for Edmund, no. I don't maybe they they would piece something together for Maddie and think he did it, but yeah, the Edmund thing it didn't seem like there'd be enough at this point. But he wakes up one night out of the blue and he suddenly believes Maddie's alive. He's just like, She's alive. <laughs> just yeah, like right. comes yep. awake. 
Oscar tells him, though, that the dental records match, but then Ned posits a theory. He says, maybe her name was never Maddie. (laughs) And you're like, okay. Maddie was an assumed identity even when she first met Edmund. The real Maddie shows up, threatens to expose her, so she has to pay her off. This, of course, to the audience, should click in with her handing the envelope to this, quote, Marianne Simpson. Dawning on us. Ah. This was the friend she introduced to us as Marianne. That's the body that they found in the boathouse. So she paid her off and killed her? Paid her off long enough to do her plan. Gotcha. And then used her as a way to escape. So Ned was supposed to have been there too. Two killers dead. Case closed. They would stop investigating. So how was was she killed? Who, Marianne? Yeah. Maddie killed her. I know, but by what? We don't know how. Yeah, okay. Marianne's only in the one scene. I mean, we don't really... Nothing that would be revealed. I guess, like, her body's, like, incinerated, so... there's no, Yeah, I mean, they're playing out. fast and loose with how... I mean, I think... I mean, I know it was, like, at this point, basically 40 years ago, but I think they'd still be able to identify in autopsies, like, oh, this person didn't die by a fire. Right, right. But, you know, it's okay. a movie. I mean, yeah. they're just kind of rolling with I'm it. I'm good with it. The only thing, though, is... Even if this all is true, what Ned is saying, and I mean, it basically is, it still leaves one major issue, though, and that is the issue of Edmund's money, which they can't find because it got given to Maddie. Maddie then moved the money quickly, I don't know, to like an offshore account. I'm not sure. Things were harder to trace probably in 1981 as as far as all that stuff was concerned. Okay, that's fine. But if Maddie's original plan had worked and both her, quote unquote her, not really her, and Ned die in the explosion, the money would still be missing. Wouldn't people find that odd? Yeah. Why does Ned even have to be alive to point that out to anybody? Like he says this to Oscar and Oscar just shrugs like, I don't know. Well, yeah, we don't know. We don't care about the money. It's always about the money, Oscar. (laughs) That's the reason why anybody died in the first place, and that's the reason why anybody cared that anybody died. But still, I mean, it is a little bit of a thing. No matter which version of Maddie's plan ends up happening, the one that did happen or her original plan, the money would still be a question mark. It would. That would be hanging. It would end up on Unsolved Mysteries. That's right. Like The money's missing, so something's not right. (laughs) Sitting in his cell, Ned obtains a copy of Maddie's high school yearbook. God only knows how he did this. Who did he reach out to for this? That's the thing I didn't like about this. Even though it's a good reveal and it's fun, it doesn't make any sense that she would have told her real high school and where she was really from if she was lying about her name and all this other shit. How would he know where she was from or what high school? Why would she tell the truth about that? I mean, granted, we never saw her say that, so it's just assumed that he figured out where she was from and then tracked down a yearbook. But in the 80s... Finding out all of this information, like confirming it, getting unlikely. the yearbook, it just seems like it would be a lot of work. I don't know. But whatever. It's not supposed to change anything other than just to be a fun reveal. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, they make it And seem this would it- be enough evidence right here that would probably get him out of jail because yeah. then all it would throw so much doubt on what just happened. Well, the way these scenes are done, it feels like it's heading towards Ned is going to figure something out and like potentially get out of jail, but that. Not really the way the movie ends. Body Heat 2, Electric Boogaloo. They'll bring it back now in 2020. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he would just go kill Maddie because he already went to jail for killing her. 
Yeah, wasn't that a movie? Yeah, well, Double Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Judd. In the yearbook are photos of Marion Simpson and Maddie Tyler, which was the maiden name before Walker. They essentially confirm Ned's theory. The woman he knew as Marianne is actually Maddie Tyler. That was the woman from the gazebo. And Maddie's real name was actually Marianne Simpson, Kathleen Turner. Her nickname in high school was The Vamp, which is a, <laughs> really like on the nose. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we know where she, what she's going to be doing. That's right. She, she lived up to it. And her ambition was to be rich and live in an exotic land. And well, so the final scene is Marianne, who we knew as Maddie, on a tropical beach somewhere. Just some random foreign dude with her. I thought it was weird that the dude speaks Portuguese and she says, what? And he says, it's hot. And I thought it was going to be a tie-in yeah. to what, remember at the beginning? Don't talk to me about yeah, the heat. Yeah, don't talk to me about the heat at the beginning, what yeah. he says. To, why would you set that up and then not deliver that? I, I mean, I feel like it was sitting right there and then they don't do it. Yeah. Whatever. It's a bummer. If it was wild things, what would happen is the camera would pan up and it's Peter. That's yeah. the dude that's with her. You but know? then there would also then be three more twists yeah. <laughs> before when you're like, okay, it's finally over. And then okay. like, oh no, there's more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she pulls off her mask and it's actually Oscar. Yeah. And so then it's it's Oscar and Peter sitting that's on right. a beach together yeah. with the money somehow. Oh boy. Folks. That's body. It's a hot one, man. Really? It's a hot movie. A lot of uh, sex and rolling around. It's a cool idea to take a great story premise that was used a lot in the 40s and the noir movies and then just add nudity. Yeah. Like, what could make anything better? Combination. Nudity. Yeah. <laughs> There's, like, even a brief full frontal shot from KT. Well. At one point. Real quick. That's courage. I don't think we see William Hurt's dick, though. That's a shame. Next week, we're going to see some hanging dick. That's right. A little bit. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Okay. So this will be week one of One Trashy Summer. We're going to do four for you. Hopefully, people enjoy it. They're all going to be from the 80s. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Do you have any recommendations for us this week? I do. Weirdly enough, a, a movie that came up during our discussions before the show. I rewatched it recently, but 2015, I believe, movie. One of my favorite movies if of If you that say year. Trainwreck, I'm going to jump out no. this goddamn window. <laughs> no, Ex Machina. Okay. I watched it again a couple weeks ago, and it had been a while. I don't know. One of my favorite movies probably over the past 10 years, I feel like. Okay. I really enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, it's good. Um, I don't think it made your top 10. No, but <laughs> maybe if I did a revisionist <laughs> list, maybe it would show up. Honorable mention, at least. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it made the honorable mention. Dom Hall Gleason and Oscar Isaacs sporting sort of a just wild look with that shaved head with kind of the bald spot on it. But just a really cool movie and would recommend. Yeah, I've watched Cedar Rapids recently. One of my favorite movies. There you go. Period. That's not my recommendation. I just wanted to say that. Thank you. I don't see like why it can't be a recommendation, though, too. Well, we did it on the show okay. as an episode. So Does go that back and listen to that. Does that something? No. <laughs> from being a recommendation? No, okay. I think I did that with Jennifer's Body for the 10th anniversary. Double down on it, yeah. I do need to start keeping a list of recommendations, because even today, 
when I was like driving over, I was like having this weird deja vu, like I already did Ex Machina. You might have. <laughs> it felt like that yeah. when you said it. I was like, mm. <laughs> no, I don't. I <laughs> don't know. Scratch. Well, if you did, then so what? Yeah, whatever. Then it's it a again. double down. I don't think you did though. Okay. I'm gonna recommend the new Unsolved Mysteries. There we go. A couple weeks back, I recommended the retro ones on Prime. The new ones just debuted a couple days ago on Netflix. I've already watched them all. I enjoyed them. I, I kind of wish they had a host, but they were still fun. One or two of them were pretty troubling, creepy, scary. One of them, I was literally in tears a little bit. It was I felt like it was sad. Just kind of an upsetting situation. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to giving it a go. I don't know who the host would be if they would bring one in. I, I mean, you cre- just can't do it. I, I I kind of well, I know that no one's going to be as good or I- iconic as Robert Stack. And by the way, there is a cool little how do you tribute even... to him, which I showed Matt before we yep. started recording. Right, and we talked about it a little bit. I mean, I'm just like I do feel like they did manage to like capture the vibe appropriately. Um, yeah it takes a little getting used to because it's in high def it looks different there's no host but ultimately it feels close the robert stack there'd be a dramatization of something and then like his voiceover comes in with just his haunting voice you know yeah he was perfect oh it was great they're not gonna be as good yeah i wouldn't even go for see the I guess if like the alternative is they cast like a recognizable person, then this is better. The better thing would be to just to find an unknown who has a good voice that isn't distracting, that isn't somebody that you bring in any baggage with or any preconceived ideas about. You're not worried about their tweets or what you know what I mean. Just a voice, <laughs> right. like hey, bring in like a new person who can be a little bit scary but serious and and good. They're not going to live up to Robert Stack. I think they had the perfect person before, but I think it would just help guide the stories better. That was my one thing. I think like when Stack was narrating a story and then they would cut in with people talking, you could kind of like zone out better, which I think so. I mean, is a weird complaint, but like I'm just saying like you have to stay really focused because the people telling you the story are the people like the witnesses and the people involved for the most part. And so you have to pay attention to what they're saying. They're not saying it as clearly as a narrator who's getting to the point. You know what I mean? Like you really have to stay more focused. There's one episode that's in French. So you definitely have to pay attention to that to read the subtitles. Okay. But I like it. I'm excited for part two of their first little season. Hopefully it continues for a while. Yeah, I'm in. I know that they're not seeing it yet. When I recommended the original apps and then i mentioned they did like a comeback with dennis farina that i've never seen but i often just reference it's it been a like. long time since those even aired yeah like years and years and now that it's finally brought back i don't understand how this is not an idea that's always on somewhere there should always be more new unsolved mysteries i agree it's not that hard to generate interest in this it's a true crime thing it could even eventually end up on like id discovery if it has to there's a whole channel dedicated to this kind of bullshit. It's an easy winner for me. It's a timeless idea. I, I agree. It, it works. Hard to find someone that is like, I'm not in on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, it ran for a long time on NBC and then I think two seasons on CBS. So, I mean, if, I guess it, it dropped in ratings enough to move networks and stuff. But, yeah, I guess people maybe get sick of it after a while. They did one episode on UFOs in this new batch. I wish they would kind of not do as much of the paranormal stuff. Yeah. That's me. I think it's if they find 
If they find good ones, maybe. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I don't need to see like Loch Ness monster shit. Well, or that's whatever. true. Yeah, you know? it's certainly not the the hokiest of the, the cryptids hokey, or whatever yeah. they call it. Like all the different imaginary. But animals. The, I, I think that, you know if you find the ones where it's like something fucked up happened, we can't explain it, and there's a hint of supernatural, but you don't know. I think you can do that, and it's. I think they should instead of like mixing in a lot of paranormals if assuming they keep doing this and there's lots of episodes yeah. generated over like the next years or whatever instead of like necessarily mixing in a lot of paranormal ones they should mix in like classic ones that have yet to be solved like johnny gosh or the springfield three. Oh yeah and just weird fucked up shit i think they tried to steer away from ones that have already made those rounds on the true crime podcast that everyone already knows intimately right there's certain ones that if you're a true crime person you already know the story because it's been on every podcast but mix in like some of the classic ones sometimes maybe i don't know folks that'll do it for (laughs) part one of one trashy summer thank you so much for listening follow the show on twitter at greatest pod make sure you're subscribed we got three more Big sweaty balls eps. That's true, man. <laughs> Such a good time. That's the one thing I was thinking about a lot with body heat was like, how sweaty would my balls be all the time? Yeah, well, you do just think like the smell. I mean, this is a <laughs> lot smell. of perspiration. Not necessarily of sweaty balls, but. <laughs> well, that's not I mean, I assume either, you're talking about William Hurt more than Kathleen Turner, or else this is turning into a misogynistic podcast right Yeah, now. <laughs> I am. And I do just think the about men them. in general just sweating yeah. well, all just over the like, place. Yeah, their dress shirts for work. Working from home wearing like a polo right now, I'm like sweating through it in like the air conditioning. And I'm like, how are these guys yeah, wearing Yeah, you got to take those and, dress like, shirts and just burn them. Yeah. You can't even wash those things. Really? Because, <laughs> the, yeah, I they're mean. They're just like stained yellow like all over. Well, they're smoking all over them plus sweating yeah. all over the place. It plus, is gross. like Florida is just gross in right. general. I don't even really know, like, we didn't mention it in the episode, but I don't even know, like, where, like, West Palm Beach or something? Is that where they were? I don't know. Miami's not that far away. Well, yeah, but I don't know, like, Florida geography. Me neither. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again real soon. Well, the men come in these places, and the men are all the same. Don't look at their faces And you don't ask their names You don't think of them as human You don't think of them at all You keep your mind on the money Keeping your eyes on the wall I'm your private dancer A dancer for money Do what you want I want to make a million dollars I want to live out by the sea Have a husband and some children Yeah, I guess I want a family All the men come in these places And the men are all the same You don't look at their faces And you don't ask their names I'm your private dancer A dancer for money I'll do what you want me to do I'm your private dancer A dancer for money And any old
your dick mr bale mr bale please let me suck your dick mr mrs scott bale look at me look look at me let me suck your dick the papers just ain't selling no more (laughs) the publishing industry is crashing yeah i'll suck your dick for money bale it doesn't even have to be much money i believe i know you're good for it 